Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, and welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. We're so honored to be a part of this whole journey with Adoption Now. We at Adoption Now love hearing stories about children getting families, parents bringing children home, whether it's domestic infant adoption, which my husband and I did for all three of our adoptions, international adoption, foster to adopt. We want to hear all the stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We believe that because hearing people's stories and their real authentic hearts about their journey makes the story come alive. And often when you start the adoption process, as we adoptive parents learn, it's a huge road ahead of you and it's filled with so much joy and so many challenges. But what we found is that no matter what the outcome is, if you stay open during the process, during the waiting, during the struggle, in difficult moments, you have seen God in ways that you cannot describe until you really go through it. And it's through the blood, the sweat, and the tears that you get this undeniable gift, and that's seeing the heart of God. So we're telling adoption stories because of how it's changed adoptive parents' lives. And we believe if you share it, it will change others and inspire others. So today, we have people on the show that I am super proud of, Dan and Noelle McClay. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So I say I'm really proud of you because Noah and I got the benefit of seeing you go through this whole journey and you never gave up. And so we just want to start from the very beginning. How long have you two been married? We've been married 13 years. And you have three? We have three biological kiddos and then one adopted now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why did you start the process after having three biological yeah, I don't know. We kind of felt like it was the right thing to do. It's been something that's been on our heart for a long time, even uh, since even before we started having kids, just for some reason, somewhere in the back of our mind felt like adopting was something that was, I don't know if God puts it on your heart or something else, but just felt like the right thing to do. And the time wasn't always right, obviously, over the years, but uh, eventually that time kind of became right. So when you started the process, how old were your children? Um, when we started the process, Let's see, Isaiah would have been four, so four, six, and seven. Okay, so your youngest was seven, and why did you choose foster care? Um, our church is, uh, is very heavily involved in the foster care system, and our pastor has adopted through foster care, and so that's a big part of the community there. And so we just really knew there was a need, and we saw other families that were doing it and just really feel like, that was the place for us to be, to help those kiddos. Okay, I want you to think about when you first started the process and the people that you were, and then who you are today. Describe that. Well, being, I think, parents in general changes you as a person, right? I kind of tell the people I'm a very selfish person, and uh, being a kid, you know, having children doesn't really work with being selfish. So, it's true. <laughs> uh, whether it's you know, being, going through the adoptive process, and there's certainly a lot of life lessons that we learned through that, but it's very similar to you know having biological kids as well. Just you know, the 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 amount, the quantity of physical needs that a small child has causes you to have to let go of some of the things that you would rather do uh you know otherwise so yeah it's the, the entire process of raising a child i feel like is one of, of sacrifice that's absolutely correct i remember when Noah and i started the journey how we changed was we went in just thinking this is going to be so great it's going to be amazing just sunshine and though we experienced that through the process 
how we changed on the other side is that it was really through a lot of grit and tears and sacrifice, as you said, um, well beyond what we thought we were going to have to bring to the table. Did you experience that as well? Yes, definitely. Um, I think for me, I am very much a type A and I'm very linear. Like, so there's a beginning and there's an end and you follow the straight line. Um, and then in foster care, there is no straight line. <laughs> there's not a very clear beginning or a very clear end through a lot of it. I mean, obviously there is definitely an end, but it's kind of back and forth for a long time. So I feel much more, I go with the flow a lot better <laughs> these days, a little bit. <laughs> That's great. I know you really do get changed and realize what's important and, right. and not important. Okay, so you want to do foster care, you guys sign up, you do your home study. Mm -hmm. Were you saying this is what we're looking for as far as what age the child was? Did you want a baby? Can you say that in foster care? You get, you can be as specific as you want to be. It's really, um, a lot of people think you can't be, but you get, um, there's like a packet and there's several pages of just question after question after question. And obviously the more specific you get, the potential you have to wait a lot longer for that kiddo to come into care. Um, but we were, we said zero to three and we wanted a girl and that was really our only requirement. Um, and so that's all we had. Um, we had a couple other things that we, um, like different medical concerns or different things like that, that we said we couldn't, we didn't think we could handle or weren't equipped to deal with. But other than that, um, but you can be very, very specific, like how, down to eye color. Really? <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. How long was your process to be certified? Um, so we went through Project 127. Um, so we did all of the classes through that, which I would recommend um, for anyone that wants to do foster care. They're faith-based, uh, which gives you a very different perspective than only doing the state. You get the same training and you get you, the, all the training counts as if you were going with the state. Um, so we did that. And then it probably took us a little over a year or so. We kind of, things happened. It You know, we got distracted a little bit. So it took... I think Isaiah was five, so it took a little over a year before we got all the way certified. So what what does that entail? A home study, but it's more than that? Um, so they do all of the paperwork and then your fingerprints and the background checks. Okay. So all of that can take a while. So you turn in your paperwork and then the county is not, they don't move real quick. So, and then, so you do your home study and then they interview you. Um, so she came out two separate occasions because she interviewed us separately. No, three, because then she interviewed our kiddos. And we were with our kids, so they don't take your kids away from you or anything weird like that. We were in the room, and so they were fine. They were just talking. But so it was three or four times she came out before. Okay, so the year goes by. You guys are certified. Then what? Once, you, once you're certified, then you're uh, standing by. You're just waiting for a call, right? So even though you kind of say this is kind of what you're looking for, at that point uh, it really is a waiting game and you're just waiting for the phone to ring. And sometimes they call you with something that matches and sometimes they don't. And that's part of the process is just being willing to say no in certain circumstances. So what was your process? When did you get that call? So we got our first call in probably the end of August. Um, and it was a little boy and he was older than the age that we said. And so I said, no, and then I cried. <laughs> that would be really time. hard. It was really hard. And then actually I found out a week later he was highly allergic to dogs. So he wouldn't have been able to stay at our house anyways. So God really does have a way of like kind of working it out. Um, so, and then we had two more calls 
um, and they didn't come. So they'll call, you know, and say, we have this kiddo that's coming into care. They're going to court right now. Well, like grandma came to court. So obviously the judge said they're going with grandma. So they never came to our house. So we said yes twice. Okay. Um, and no one came. And then we said no to one other one. <laughs> So, wow. yeah, yeah, we just, you know, we prayed about it and we just knew, um, we just knew um, in that one, they, this was going to be our first placement and they said mom was sabotaging placements and that wasn't something we were comfortable jumping into at the very beginning because I didn't know exactly what that meant. And so we weren't comfortable with that. So, and then in October we got the call for Athena. So, And what did they tell you? Well, they don't, they don't know much if we're, you know, honestly, right? So they walk, you know, some caseworker walks into a situation that's chaos. There's, there's been an incident which has caused this child to be deemed not able to stay in that situation. So, uh, I mean, that caseworker doesn't really have a lot of background, right? They don't know much beyond the, age. you know, age and mm-hmm. a little bit, five, five minutes of backstory. But they're kind of going in blind and they might tell you otherwise, but in reality, uh, they're looking for a placement immediately just because they have to get this child out of their car. And so uh, sometimes the stuff they tell you is true and sometimes it isn't. And you just kind of have to know all that upfront and be comfortable walking into that type of a situation. How old was Athena? She was six and a half weeks. <gasps> she was so small. She was really small, yeah. She was teeny tiny. I'm not sure if you can share the incident, but had birth mother lost other children? Was this her first child? This is her first child. So, um, yeah, so this was her first. um, They had been involved since birth with Athena. So the company had been involved early on. And then just at that point, yeah. um, So, like, when she came, she didn't really know how to eat, really. So she was really tiny and just not doing well, so she needed to be pulled for sure. So you get this six-week-old baby, and are you <laughs> thinking this is our baby forever? No. Yeah, front not really, because you just don't know anything, right? Even uh, amazingly, it was what about a week probably before they even contact you the first time and even give you any details at all about what's happening. Right, right. They just kind of dropped her off on a Friday, and we didn't hear from anybody for like I mean we heard from our certification worker like you know she said oh how are you doing and we're like we're fine but we didn't hear anything about case visits anything for about a week it was almost a week before anyone so you just had to choose the formula uh they did have that that's in their paperwork so she came with some um and so So you knew what what she she was on some background yeah Mm mm-hmm I can't even imagine where you would begin at six and a half weeks. And one thing I remember going through our agency when they said, you'll get this placement. So in infant adoption, you also have that risk of you don't know if that baby's going to stay with you as well. Mm -hmm. And they said, we have to know that you are going to be in at 110%, that you're going to love the baby 110%, not 80% because you might not keep this baby to protect yourself. Right, right. You have to do 110, even if that means you're going to be heartbroken. Can you do it? Yes. And that was really hard for me to think, well, I can love 110 if I know that this baby's going to be with me forever. <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm going right. to give it all in. But at just thinking, well, if it's going to be a couple of weeks or a month or two months, how am I going to be able to survive through that? Was that, how were you processing that? It was, it is hard, but so, you know, they bring her to your house and you know, there's a intake worker who's frazzled because she just took this child from her mother, which I can't, I don't envy that job. I can't imagine that job. And there's this little baby that's struggling just to survive at this point when we get her. And instantly, like you're, you're mom. Mm-hmm. So you're instantly mom and you're instantly just 
love and she needed 150% to even get her to be able to grow and to thrive at all. So just, I don't know, just as soon as she walked in, you just have the this protective urge to just protect her and love her and she needed it. Dan, did you feel that way also as a father? Yeah, so I mean, I'm more pragmatic, I would say, you know, love is an action, right? And so when you actually physically meet the needs of this child over a period of time, you you are showing love to that child by, by meeting those needs. And so your heart, in my opinion, follows your actions in that sense, right? So I don't think protecting your heart is possible if you're actually actively meeting the needs of that child. That's true. Very good point. There are things that you do with a newborn to bond because you didn't have that time. Um, actually, the bonding happens when you're in utero. And so once the baby is born, now we got to work on attachment, getting used to your voice. Did you just do that right away? I mean, did you do skin on skin as a foster parent? Not skin on skin because foster care is very, very specific. Uh, the county is very specific about what we can. But that night, I mean, I took her upstairs and just rocked her and held her. And we still sit in that same chair when she gets upset and I rock her and hold her. And so... We just, yeah, instantly we all started holding her, which she hadn't been held very much. So, like, she instantly would just kind of, well, not instantly, it took her a few days. <laughs> she was like a stiff baby, like, you know, when they're kind of stressed out. So we would just hold her and hold her and hold her, and we just held her all the time. She was just constantly held. Did she sleep well? No, she still doesn't. <laughs> she still I does have not one sleep too well. That does not sleep. <laughs> We're hoping before she goes to college, <laughs> she'll sleep through the night. <laughs> so, yeah. Thinking back about that experience, do you just feel just so overwhelmed that you were a part of her story and that God brought this baby to you? I mean, I think at some core level, when you say yes to foster care, you are saying yes to God and what he has for you and just hoping and praying, you know, that you have faith that the right child will come and yes. the ones that are not will either you'll say no or they'll come and go. And so being a part of something that this could be your forever child and it is your first yes. I mean, how do you, is that overwhelming? Yeah, if you think about it, I suppose in the big picture it is, you know, right. It's hard to see the 10,000-foot view of, what's, uh, of what, what that means. I still think the motivation going into it isn't, isn't for that reason. I, I think you, if you, to be successful, your motivation has to be, I'm here to meet the needs of that child. So it's not about me. It's really about that child. So whether it goes well or doesn't go well, is, from my opinion, isn't the most important thing, right? It might not go perfectly well for mine. That child might have trauma and might have hurts and pains that I can't fix, and that's okay. My, my role is actually just to step into that uncomfortability and that awkwardness and to be a servant, as Jesus would call it. Great point. We have to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Dan and Noel about the day-to-day -day with Athena. You're listening to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We'll be right back. Thornton is locked in to the mighty 670 KLT Denver. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. 
Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. My guests today are Dan and Noelle McClay, who adopted from the foster care system. They have three biological kids, and we like to say biological because a lot of people stop us and say, are those your real kids? Yes. We're like, they are all real kids. No one is a robot or a stuffed animal. They're all real, but if you mean biological, right? this is the story or you know, however you go about that. So you have three children that are biological that you started your family with and then wanted to add one more. So you went through foster care, you get this call, six-week-old baby comes to you, and you just start from scratch, loving this child that has uh, suffered trauma. What is that like? Now you have biological, so you know what it's like to have a child that hasn't suffered trauma. Mm -hmm. What are those differences? Um, So I think just the way you parent has to be completely different. We parent her totally different than our other kids. Um, But you find what, I mean, like with any kid, you find what works for her and what soothes her and what calms her um but we've kind of had to you thought you had it all figured out after three (laughs) and now we're back to the beginning again so we just you just really have to be really calm with her is kind of our biggest everybody has to kind of stay calm one of the things that i keep hearing you say and that we love in adoption now is going into adoption unselfishly if you go in to meet your need it can be really disappointing. But if you go in to meet the need of a child, whether it's domestic infant adoption, foster care, or international, if you go in for the child's benefit and to see the child be healed and and have a wonderful life, then everything you do um, is not for you, which can be really, really hard and totally life-changing. But it, it seems to me that families that do that are more successful than families that go in to meet their need or maybe the marriage needed something and it's it's kind of a failure. So when you talk about practical things that are unselfish, one of the things that blows my mind about your story and foster care stories is you have to see birth mom. So child has suffered trauma Mm -hmm. and she's working on getting the child back and so here you are loving the child, creating a safe environment and then pulling that child out of that environment and giving giving the child back to the mom. Yes. What is that like, and how long did you do that? Um, it's hard. So that was kind of my role. <laughs> um, we had visits during the day. So um, we had visits twice a week um, for a time, and visits were kind of on and off. So mom wasn't real consistent most of the time. Uh, at one point, we were up to four days a week, which um, caused a lot more drama for Athena, actually. Uh, it made things significantly worse um, and kind of set her back a little bit um it was hard in the beginning uh it was okay we um because she was a baby she was a baby she didn't really know she slept through the visits most of the time i fed her before you know so she was fine she could have cared less as she got older um we would get to the county building and she would just kind of shut down and just not just kind of blank face and just not she wouldn't cry but she wouldn't do anything she would just kind of sit there so she just really started to struggle and that's when it got really hard when you knew it was affecting her negatively and i will say that mom was always kind and very good to her in visits so it was just that there was no emotional connection at that point and it was like she didn't i think the smells and stuff would bring her back to the trauma but at the visits her mom was always nice very good and whenever i had interaction to her she was always very pleasant and so that i 
you know, I have to commend her mom for that very much. She was always very, very kind to me. But she wanted her baby back. <laughs> yes and no. Um, she wanted the baby back, but she didn't want to do what it took to get the baby back. Um, I don't think she could. I really, yeah. I don't, I don't think she was capable of getting her back. And I think, I think she had a lot of outside influences that kind of affected which way she was going. So I don't, I think it was very hard for her, but I don't know that she really, I think she knew she couldn't take care of her. So the state at this time is looking for another blood relative, right? <laughs> Did they find one? There were a lot. Oh, you can go ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there were a couple and then they go through kind of the due diligence process there as well while they kind of look through other permanent placements. So it's important if you're going thinking through the foster care process, you really need to know up front, you're really the bottom of that totem pole. So mm -hmm. you're there to be used really. And that's how the state looks at you. And you just need to know that up front. And so if there's any other alternative besides the direction that they'll go, so you just need to know that up front. That's frustrating right. because you love the baby. And so you're thinking the baby's doing great and she's thriving. And yes. why are you looking for an aunt? Right. You know, why are you looking for a grandma? Can right. the baby stay here? Right. But you just kind of have to wait that out. You do. And we actually, um, one week before termination, the diligent search team found someone one week before. I mean, and at that point, you kind of think you're in the clear because she'd been with us for over a, over year. a year. And so they found someone one week. And so the judge, but the judge ruled, no, we're not going to pursue it. But we had to go to the termination to see whether or not they were going to Try That's to a miracle. pursue, yes, that person. So, I mean, when they say diligent search team, they're not kidding. They're diligent. Like, <laughs> they really, they look until the very end for anyone but you. But, but it's for, it's not out of spitefulness or that you're not good enough. It's just that's... That's the state law. That's the state law. Well, and just law. think about that's it from the brokenness of the world. So right, in a perfect world, every child would be raised by their parents, right? right. And by their family. So that we you start with a broken premise that that's not, not possible in this situation. So, uh, so where do you go from there, right? So if it was your child, you would want somebody. If you couldn't raise that child, you would want a relative to be able to, right? right? So if you think about it from that perspective. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, certain relatives. Right. <laughs> because it feels like the state would say yes to aunt, even if aunt was single, didn't have a family, didn't want the child. They would say yes, where you have two people who are married. She's brought into your family. She's been with you the whole time. To me, I would want my child to have that. Right. And they do a home right. study and they'll ask the aunt those questions. Right. Do you want to raise this child? And that, that that's certainly their home say will be denied if that is the case. Right. And so, they're good about, I mean, we had, there were family members that did home studies and I did not realize they have to do they, home studies yep. if they're going to go for adoption. So if they want to do just a kinship placement, they don't necessarily have to. So there's different kind of different levels. If they want to get paid, they have to have a home study, that kind of stuff. And they have to do training. If they're just taking the kiddo because it's a family member and they want to care for them, it's not the same. They don't have to go through what everybody else goes through. So it, it kind of depends. But if they would want to be going towards adoption, then yes, they have to do a home study. In that and you raised an interesting question, which is what is your motivation for doing it, right? right? And so I think that was a big turning point for me was because there's a lot of issues around foster uh, or foster to permanent adoption that you say, well, what if this child has issues right down the road, whether that's mental or physical? And I had a big turning point where I realized it doesn't matter, right? So my, my role is not 
outcome-based, right? It, I'm not, my job isn't to raise a perfect kid. My job is really just to meet the needs of this child. So however they turn out, that's really up to God in a lot of senses, right? That's not really up to me. And so once I kind of let go of that result and just said, hey, I'm just here to be used by God. So that, that radically changed it. Where now you can really hold things very open-handed. So if, if the child has issues, that, that may be the case. And that's okay. That happens. That's life. That's not, that's not why I'm in this. That was a big turning point. It was, it was figuring out my own motivation. That's great. As I mean, across the board, I can't wait for people to hear that. They need to hear that because I think that it's just so easy to say this isn't fair or this isn't right or we, are, we don't want to have a broken heart and so we're going to fight to the very end. You did finalize on Athena, but a week before, if she had been removed from your house, mm-hmm. how would you have process that with the same statement that you made sure it would have been devastating right i mean that's okay to admit that and you would have had a broken heart and who's Mm -hmm. to say how we would have worked our way through that right so that's okay to admit all of that uh walt hendrickson is an old bible teacher he says everybody wants to be used by god but nobody wants to be used by people and that's an interesting (laughs) idea like it's really hard to be used by people because you feel used Right. right and uh and and that's okay to admit that and if that happens, then you just kind of have to work your way through that. I think admitting that it's a grieving process. Mm-hmm. You know, us as adoptive parents, when you have a placement that fails, when the birth mom changes her mind and you had the baby for a little while, all those things are real losses, real mm-hmm. deaths yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. And broken heart is real. And sometimes when you speak to other people, they're like, well, it wasn't really your baby or you only had, right. you're like, you don't even know. I mean, one time we were matched to a baby. We never even saw the baby. When she was born, the birth dad came and took the baby. Mm. I grieved that child yes. for a long time, and I didn't even meet her. Right. Because it was a loss. There was something there. We were excited. We were planning, and this was like going to be our daughter, and then it's not. And that lesson that you're talking about is something that we learned through our broken hearts. It wasn't like we went in and we're like, we're just here for the baby. Right. You know, <laughs> we wanted to, to grow our family. We wanted to, to be parents. And... Um, through a lot of loss, we realized this is not about us. Yeah. And when you can get to that place, you can really parent freely. Yes. And it's really okay to admit what you just did, which is, hey, this, this, this broke my heart and it really hurts and I'm in pain and I need to take some time away from this for a while to kind of process through that and recover. Those are all very, very good things. It's great that you guys did finalize though on Athena. We were there to celebrate with you. So many families were celebrating and so excited about your family coming together. And how old was she when you finalized? She was... 20 months. 20 months, yeah. So you really went through about mm, 18 and a half months. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Of the unknown. Of unknown, yep. And back and forth. a really long time. I thought six months is a long time (laughs) with infant adoption, but 18 months is a long time to be wondering, is this going to be our family? Mm -hmm. So I commend you for doing that and for other families that are out there that are fighting that fight Mm -hmm. for the sake of the child. And in the end, when they get to finalize, it's, it's a huge blessing. Thank you guys so much for being on. I wish we could just talk and talk and (laughs) know all the story. We'll have to have you guys back on as Athena grows, but she's just such a beautiful addition to your family. And she looks like, you know, she belongs there. And it just seems like even your older children um, just love her so much. There's just a lot of love in the family. Definitely. Thanks for having us on. You're welcome. If you would like to tell your adoption story, please contact us at adoption-now.com. If you'd like to tell your story, you can also see us on Facebook. You can send us a message and you can go on Facebook and see the McClay family. You can see baby Athena and their other children. 
If you want to hear any of our other adoption stories, we have those available on podcasts and iTunes under Adoption Now. Thank you for joining us in Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.